You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by B Pro Kennels, Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Anookshook Professional Dog Food. And welcome to episode 81, Can We Just Cut the Crap? with Emily Corey and Brian Connolly from Anookshook Professional Dog Food. Guys, B Pro Kennels is making the best dog box on the market today. It is fully customizable. Um, it is just built well, and it's built here in the USA. Uh, give Ben Proctor a holler over at B Pro Kennels uh, and design your custom dog box today or grab one of their um, staple three hole or two hole boxes today. BProKennels.com. Use promo code ROOKIE10. Saves 10% off your order at BeProKennels.com. And this podcast is also presented to you by OnX Hunt, the most comprehensive public and private land ownership data mapping tool in the world. Many tools and layers like crop types, tree species, waypoints, and so much more. Uh, the Onyx Elite membership is going to give you a ton of access to um, a whole bunch of benefits, uh, discounts on awesome gear. Um, if you're not using Onyx Hunt already, I highly encourage you get over to onyxhunt.com and sign up today. And be sure to check out Anookshook Professional Dog Food, the only sporting dog, high-performance dog food I'm feeding my string of dogs. Have been using this for several years, and Anookshook has delivered and lived up to and surpassed all the hype you've been hearing about online, through friends, kennels, breeders, all that and it has just been a high quality premium food. Uh, I've been able to cut back several cups of food for my dogs, still keeping weight on them during season, during trialing, whatever it might be. These dogs are in the best shape they've been in personally in a long, long time. And thanks to Anookshook Professional Dog Food, they have four incredible formulas. Check them out at anookshookpro.com. And last but not least, Final Rise Gear. I am so pumped and proud to be representing the Final Rise brand. They have been producing year after year quality premium upland gear that is made for the hunter, the bird hunter who is putting on miles after miles, season after season, and wants gear to hold up to the elements of how you are hunting. You got to look no further than finalrise.com. Check out the Summit Vest, the Summit XT Vest, which is brand new, the Sidekick Vest, as well as the Legacy. So many vest options, which are totally customizable. Um, I'm pretty darn confident you're going to find something that works for you and your setup. Uh, so check them out at finalrise.com. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Upland Rookie Podcast. I am your host, Will Larson, and it's so good to be back with you guys today. Uh, we got episode 81 on tap for you. Uh, we're sitting down with Emily Corey of Corey Nutrition and Brian Connolly, both from Anookshook Professional Dog Food. Um, this dog food that has kind of been just flowing through the Upland uh, space over the last couple of years. Uh, it's been so fun just to see uh, the Anookshook growth and really just get to know the company more and their products process of how they are creating this dog food, why they are creating this dog food. And we are going to address some of the common questions, concerns, uh, things that I've heard, things that they have heard from the bird dog community and uh, and dog owners out there. And so hopefully we can kind of uh, tackle some of these head on. I think it's going to be a really fun and informative episode uh, for you out there. So uh, get ready for a really good conversation coming up. 
Uh, I did want to kind of jump in, and uh, we got some news. We got some got some news here. This is exciting. Um, we have a winner of the fi- Final Rise and Upland Rookie Podcast Spring Gear Giveaway. Yes, the Spring Gear Giveaway. Uh, teamed up with, with Final Rise. Uh, you know they've been a sponsor of the podcast for, uh, gosh, about... About a year now. Yeah, probably about a year. Um, and uh, I was talking with Matt Davis, and he was super gracious uh, to let us give away a vest. Um, not only any vest. It is a brand new, uh, just released about a month ago, uh, Summit XT vest, as well as a pair of the Final Rise field gloves. Uh, so we were able to pick one lucky winner uh, from the Patreon community. Uh, so many of you either were returning patrons. Um, some of you jumped on Patreon just recently. Thank you to everyone. Um, your support of the show means a ton. Um, and so if you want to continue supporting the show, um, that'd be much, much appreciated. Uh, it all goes back to the show, helping with recording um, equipment, hosting fees, all that kind of stuff to keep the podcast going. So really, really appreciate everyone who's jumped on Patreon and is supporting the show that way. You obviously get into some awesome giveaways like the one we're doing the final rise. So um, without further ado, the winner, and I just sent him an email. Um, so hopefully he checks his email and hopefully he gets back to me. Um, otherwise, we're, we're going to have to redraw. So uh, it is Adam McCain. Adam McCain. Uh, you have been selected as the uh, the Upland Rookie Podcast Spring Gear Giveaway winner. So congrats to Adam. Uh, make sure to get back to me via email. Um, we'll get connected with uh, with Matt and find the Final Rise team and get uh, get you all the details, get you your vest, uh, get it out to you as soon as we can. So congrats, Adam. Uh, this is an awesome giveaway. This Summit XT vest, guys, um, it's taken the the Summit vest and all the, all the functionality of that vest and the customization. It has all the normal stuff that the, at the, XT, or at the uh, Summit will have. Um, but it, it's got a couple tweaks. It's got a couple things that just... Uh, it just sets this over the edge for a vest. Got some magnetic pocket closures. Um, still has those real big, uh, big deep pockets, which I really, really love. Uh, I have some very freaking large <laughs> mitts on me, uh, and so dumping shells in there, my cell phone, um, a headlight, or whatever I need to in those deep pockets really, really has been nice. Um, it's got some. I'm not going to go through all the features, um, but there's some some things on that um, that I think you're really, really going to enjoy. Um, it's a really kind of step above the, the the tried and true summit vest. And so, um, anyways, that vest is out there. It's available in two colors. Check out finalrise.com and um, get your hands on one. It's going to be uh, kind of the Cadillac of the Final Rise uh, vest line right now. And so I think it's worth checking out, worth uh, trying to get your hands on one uh, before the season is uh, going to be here, before we know it. Um, I don't have a calendar in front of me. I don't know how many days until September 1st, but I'm counting down. <laughs> Not officially, but in my head, I'm like, we're one day closer, one day closer to the season. And so um, I know we're, we got spring here we got summer to go through we got we got a bunch of stuff to go through but um i wanted to unpack a little more on uh nastra trials i got a couple questions last week on you know what i do um, to prepare for a nastra trial or, or you know training for a nastra trial um so i'll kind of unpack that on this this little opening segment and then we'll dive right in to the interview but um so as far as nastra goes for me i'm not going to be your expert on training you know that i'm not your trainer i'm not a pro trainer um 
I'm, I'm figuring things out just as much as the next guy down the street. And so <laughs> if, you, if you, have, you have training questions, either listen to some of the guests that have been on the show, listen to some of the pros, some people who've been been doing this a long, long time and have have some of that insight to share. Um, I'll talk more from just, uh, again, what my experience has been, what I've um, kind of started to focus on a little bit more. Um, and it's probably good timing. I just came off a Nashua event this past weekend. Um, so ran one of those here in Colorado and uh, we just ran Saturday. So we just ran one of the two days, uh, two, two fields. So we ran twice on Saturday. Um, and so I'll, I'll kind of go into what, okay, first off, the, the, one of the things I like about Nastra, um, I've ran it for a couple of years now, casually, nothing, nothing's crazy serious. I'm not going out. I'm not, you know, every weekend going to a trial like, like some people, but, um, I like it. It's very similar style to, uh, hunting. And so I don't, as far as the training goes is I don't have to do a ton of different stuff for the trial event. Um, it's going to be things like you want your dog, um, not too close, not too far. Um, my dogs range a l- more farther than I think that maybe the average or, or yeah, maybe average person would like their dogs to range. That's how I like it. Uh, for Nastra, is that too big? I, I don't know. I don't think it's it's too big. Um, I mean, they stay within the the designated field. Um, sure, they'll they'll run out of bounds a little bit, but then that's where you got to have some good good uh, training with your dog to get them back in bounds. If you need to to turn a dog, if they're in the far corner and they're going to the out of bounds um, area of the Nastra field, then you got to be able to um, get that dog back in bounds. And so you need to cover a different corner of the field, or if you need to, Hey, we're going to hit the middle again. Cause you know, we didn't pick a bird up in the middle and you know, we're going to try that again. So you need to have some good command skills with your dog. They need to be able to come with you. That's been one of the things we've talked about a lot in, in some of these series I've done, whether it's George Hickox or the Smiths or other trainers, um, you know, some of the big, some of the big things, sorry. Uh, some of the big things are going to be, um, you know, the dog, you know, coming to you, going with you. And, um, so those are some of the things I like to focus on. And of course that's going to be similar for a wild bird dog. So I like that it's very similar to hunting. Um, so when we're talking about Nashra, um, again, I've ran some of the AKC stuff. Uh, I've ran uh, a horseback trial as well as a hunt test. Um, those are great events as well. Um, I, I think you have to put a little more, um, I shouldn't say more. It's a little going to be a little different. I think your training um, for those kinds of events. Again, just from my own experience. Um, so Nashra, just in the stage of life I'm in, it can be very similar to hunting. I don't have to put a ton of extra or different work in to training for a Nashra event versus I want a badass bird dog. Um, so obviously you have the retrieve as well. Uh, that's a, a big part of Nashra as you're getting scored on the retrieve. Um, so I'm going to be honest. I, my first run or no, my it was my second run on Saturday. Um, Gage was bringing, uh, his first bird back and he dropped it. <laughs> and guess what? I got a really bad retrieve score. Um, you know, you want a dog that is going to be able to bring that, that bird all the way back to your hand, not drop it, not play with it. Just right back to you, you know, maybe come alongside you. You take, you can take one step and grab that bird from the dog. And so, um, that's, that's an area I needed to brush up in. Um, we did some, maybe over the last two weeks, just some throwing some bumpers. Um, hindsight, I probably should have got them on some actual dead birds over the last couple of weeks. Um, 
just to kind of brush up on some of the the retrieve, the hold. Um, so I was pretty disappointed in it. Um, I was a little frustrated. Um, again, bumpers, he was doing awesome, but he hasn't had a live bird or a dead bird in his mouth for a month and a half, two months maybe. Um, and so maybe even longer because we didn't really hunt much in January. So um, so hindsight's twenty twenty. That's something I should have done better at and really kind of focus on a little bit more because um, that, that definitely hurt us. Um, so retrieving is definitely a part of it. So, you know, working on the retrieve, again, some people hunting wild birds, they don't want their dog to touch the bird. I know some guys who say, I don't want my dog's mouth on the bird. I just want the bird as is how I shot it and I'll go pick it up. And, and they don't focus on retrieving. That's fine. Um, you know, that won't, that won't cut it in Nastra because that's, that's part of the rules. That's part of the game. And so, um, so yeah, that's retrieving the, the dog, uh, how they work a field. I mean, you want a dog that's, that's kind of 10 to two ish. Um, not really one that's looping, looping back behind you. Not one that's, you know, ranging 300 yards in a Nashua event. And so uh, my dog Gage, I haven't run win in Nashua yet, but Gage has actually been a really good dog to adjust to what we're, what we're doing. Um, so if we're hunting sharp tail or huns or something, um, he's gonna, he's gonna push it to two, to two, 300 yards. If I let him, if I shut my mouth, he's going to range out and go find birds. But if we then transition to tight cover, he's going to be able to transition, work a lot closer um, in that tight cover. Um, sure, I'll communicate with him if I need to, to turn or uh, range it in a little bit. Um, and then same with Nashra now. <laughs> he's he's kind of able to figure out like, hey, here's this box we play in. Don't go outside of that. Um, kind of stay stay in this zone. And we might cover a, cor- you know, a couple corners multiple times. And he's been able to kind of adapt to that setting as well. Um, now, I don't know if that's every dog that can do that. I don't know if that comes with age, um, training, whatever it might be. It's, it's probably a factor of a couple things. But um, but again, for, for Nastra and, and wild bird hunting as I do, I've been really lucky with Gage that he can adapt really well. Because um, again, I, I don't know how to get him to do that really. <laughs> so he's, he's really kind of, I guess, figured the rules out for himself. And I've been able to kind of follow along and, and, and be pretty fortunate with, with how he handles that. So, um, but yeah, other, other than that with Nastra, I mean, focus on, you're gonna need to focus on the retrieve, um, the handling, and of course the steadiness. You don't want a dog uh, taking a bird out, um, creeping, flagging. Some of those things are gonna um, either lose you points in Nashra, um, or get you DQ'd, um, depending. So, um, so those are some of the things I, I would, or have worked on, um, uh, if I'm speaking to someone who's saying, Hey, you know, what do, what do I need to do to get my dog ready for, you know, their first Nastra, or if I want to try out this, this trial game, you know, what do I need to do? Uh, those are some of the things uh, I would suggest focusing on. Um, but the reason I like it is kind of what this is because the whole point of the question here was it's similar, not, it's not the same. It's not the same as wild bird hunting. Um, wild bird hunting is very different. Trials are very different, but there's there's similarities to what you want in a wild bird dog or what some people would want in a wild bird dog um, that transition really, really well to the Nastra space. So there it is. <laughs> I'm going to let that all out there and just say, um, that's, that's my advice. That's from my experience. Again, if you want better tips on training, um, you're going to want to find a pro trainer who you trust and enjoy, um, and, and learn from them on the training side of things. So, um, other than that, this past weekend's trial, like I said, um, 
he had a drop retrieve. He also took a bird out on the second run. And after that, I was like, well, screw this. We got, we got no chance. Uh, first run was pretty good. He, he ran really well, covered ground good. Um, we just got, uh, we got beat by Miss Bailey Taylor and her dog. Um, so they had a hell of a run. I think they had three or four finds on that first, that first brace. So they ran well. Um, I, was, I was really happy with Gage's run, the first one. Second one, I was pretty frustrated. Um, he dropped the retrieve on the first one. And then the second find, he slam point. Beautiful. Um, it was right after the first bird. So we were feeling good. We had one down within five minutes. Next one's probably around seven minute mark. And I'm like, all right, this is good. We got you know two birds in the, in the, almost in the bag. So he's on point. Maybe, gosh, 75, eh, maybe more, maybe 100 yards away. Um, he's on point, so I'm, I'm walking up. Can't run in the field, so I'm, I'm walking up to him. I'm feeling good. I had my, my gun broke open, and I'm walking, and all right, here we go. And I was kind of looking around and just seeing where the other, other dog and handler were. And uh, lock, my, lock my gun, and I'm probably within, I'd say, 10 yards of gauge. And I haven't said a word to him at this point. He was he was steady. He looked good. He was holding tight. And then he just decided. So, so mind you, the bird was probably, I don't know, five feet in front of him, maybe less, in this bush. Uh, it was a planted quail. And he just decided to give me the middle finger and say, screw you, and went and took the bird out. <laughs> so bird put up a little chase, kind of flew, and then went back down. He caught it. Um, it was frustrating as heck. Um, didn't get DQ'd, but it, I mean, it was, was zero points for that find. Um, so again, super frustrating, disappointed in that. Um, again, I, I should have put in more work with him. Um, just getting him on some more, more birds over the last couple of weeks, kind of getting ready for this. So it's on me, uh, but I was definitely pretty, uh, pretty disappointed, but that's, that's how it goes sometimes. So it's not all, not all peaches and cobbler <laughs> all the time. So Anyways, guys, that's, um, sorry for the kind of the long intro here. I did want to kind of start addressing some of these. I got a bunch of good questions you guys have written in over the last couple months. And, uh, just want to kind of take a couple minutes, probably five to 10 minutes typically. And I'll just unpack some of these thoughts or questions or whatever it might be on these different topics. So if you have a topic you would like, uh, discuss on the kind of the opening here, uh, shoot me an email or DM me on Instagram at the Upland Rookie Podcast. Um, other than that, we're going to dive right in to the Anook Shook conversation here. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Got a couple of videos up there. Uh, make sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That would greatly, greatly help if you guys could. Uh, one, make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So every episode that comes out, you guys kind of get automatically in your feed. Um, as well as uh, leave a rating and review. Those are awesome. I love reading those. I love um, just seeing what kind of the impact this, this show is having on those or having on you. Um, and so I love reading those, those reviews uh, on Apple Podcasts. Um, just seeing kind of how this show has helped you or inspired you in, in some way um, has been really encouraging to me. Kind of lets me know, um, kind of get a pulse for the audience and, and where things are going. So anyways, would greatly appreciate that as well. So without further ado, again, so sorry for the long intro. We're going to dive into the Anook Shook uh, Pro episode with uh, Emily Corey and Brian Connolly. 
We're still cranking out the episodes. Yeah, nice. I've got uh, I've got one recorded that I'm going to bank. Um, we're a little more casual with the release because it's kind of a thing that we do when we can get to it, not a thing that we sure. try to regulate just because there's so many people incoming, which is great. Sure. Um, but no, I, I spoke to an Anatolian shepherd breeder, massive dogs protecting okay. ranches out in Montana. Mm. <laughs> and then next week, we're really excited. Ryan Reddington, who just won the Iditarod. Uh, oh, he's cool. in Anukshuk. Uh, the whole team's powered by Anukshuk. So I'm going to get him on the pod for, um, and I did a rad recap. So that'll be the second year oh. in a row where we've got the winner on the show to talk about that'd their race. Cool. So yeah, really excited for that one. Oh, that's super cool. I'll have to tune into that one. I've been following some of the, um, dog sled people on Instagram. It's fascinating. It's like a whole nother rabbit hole of like, dude, it's so fun. Dog like, sport. Dude. It is awesome. Amazing. Surfing, like, skiing, anything where something else is powering you. Sorry, I'm yeah. gonna let you go. No, but, yeah. no, no, no. Go ahead. It's just <laughs> like these these people are wild, right? Like it's not only it's the dogs, but it's the woods and the wilderness and the animals and like yeah. that cold. Like that is like that cold up there is. No, oh, I can only imagine. I, I mean, they're showing they're doing Instagram reels and videos and stuff of like you know yeah. prepping for a, a race and everyone's getting to the race and stuff. I mean, you can just tell like. But they're kind of like comfortable. The people look comfortable. They're like, that's a normal way. Oh, they love it. Every, everyone who does it at that level, especially does it because they love it. But then if you talk to an amateur musher, they're doing it because their dogs love it. They love it. It's it's addictive. It's like tattoos or alcohol or whatever, man. <laughs> it's, it's just it, once it gets into you, you know, like if you're a dog person, you won't have the ability to kind of drop it. So, yeah, it's I've, I've only done it small scale, pulled by one or two dogs on like a little okay, sled okay. that you stand on. But even that is like super, super fun. And we did it until my dog Ace's shoulder couldn't, couldn't hack it anymore. He's 12. But yeah, no, Jeez. dog power. Yeah, no. Is that, is that kind of a big thing up in Canada too? Maybe, maybe the more remote areas? Yeah. Yeah, I would say, I mean, big it, is relative. Niche. Yeah, okay. it, 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 it's, when, certainly, it's certainly niche, but it, it's a much larger community than you'd probably think that it is. Okay. And there's more pockets of it. Like you'll, if you get around the Great Lakes, like around Wisconsin and Ontario, there's communities there. You go into Quebec, you know, which is right above like Vermont. There's going to be pockets and communities of it there. And then okay. anywhere northern where there's a little bit of a history or a First Nations okay. tie-in as well, it's happening there. So for the amount of dog sledding in the world that's happening, yeah, I'd say a lot of it's happening in Canada. Okay. Okay. Dang, that's cool. Yeah, this, yeah. some of these accounts have been uh, pretty fun to see what they're doing. But, um, well, Brian and Emily, thank you guys so much for uh, for jumping on the podcast here. Brian, welcome back uh, thanks, for, for round two. Emily, welcome uh, welcome to the show. So thanks for jumping on here with us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, why don't you, Brian, just give us a little recap on yourself uh, real quick, and then we'll jump over to Emily, let you introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. So I'm the I'm the marketing coordinator for Nookshook Professional Dog Food, originally from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, now stationed in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada, where we make the product and ship the product all over the world now. Um, been in the Maritimes on the East Coast for 15 years, got a dog, got a wife, got a son, got uh, a love for being outdoors in the woods and, uh, you know, slinging kibble and talking dog food for people. So yeah, no, it's a good life. <laughs> slinging kibble and talking dog food. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> What I could a have said line. talking shit because poop yeah, comes up as, right. almost as much as the food does, but I thought I'd save my more colorful comments for the end, but here we you go. You know, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll ease our way into it. And real quick note for the listeners, if you want a full breakdown on what the Maritime is, or Maritimes? Maritimes. Maritimes. Am I saying that right? 
Maritimes. Mm-hmm. Um, go back to the Nookshook, the first episode Brian and I did, because Brian did a fantastic job of breaking down the providences of Canada and the Maritime. Specifically how it relates to hockey teams. Yes. So <laughs> if you want if you want a full in-depth recap, go back to the, the previous episode and uh, you can get, uh, get, get educated on that. Emily, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, about who you are. Uh, I'm Emily Corey. Uh, I am the current president of Corey Nutrition. Can you hear, sorry. No, Corey Nutrition Company, the company that owns um, Anookshuk Professional Dog Food. We are a family-owned business, so my father started the company in 82. We've been making dog food since the 90s, and we're, myself and two of my brothers are Generation 2 that are just coming into, into the business now. So my role with Anookshuk is more on the uh, nutrition and new product development side, but you'll see me floating around trade shows and stuff from time to time. Very cool. Very cool. I saw the last name Corey. I was like, I bet you're yeah. <laughs> okay. R- related. That's awesome. Yeah. So you've, you've got to kind of see this, this company kind of really develop, right? Since, I mean, you were a kid probably. Yeah. It's uh, been dinner table talk and I've done everything <laughs> from slinging dog food bags to answering the phone, the phones. So That's it's, awesome. uh, it's been a journey. That's and if so we still cool. need to like stick her 2000 bags in a pinch, Emily's in there throwing the labels <laughs> on, you know, all hands on deck if, if yes. need be. I wish oh, it weren't true, but <laughs> you're like, yeah, it's actually, it's actually how it goes sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we oh are, we God. are, uh, we are, uh, an adaptable company, right? Our yeah. roles are all, we're all yes. one team. Oh, I'm sure. Yes, I'm are. sure. Yeah. Role fluid. Uh, how how yeah. big is, how big is the team right now of staff? Uh, around 50. 50. Okay. Okay. You guys are growing. That's awesome. Um, well, we are going to jump into a bunch of uh, more about the company and the food and, and formulas, nutrition, all that kind of stuff here. Um, Brian, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let, you know, let's go any further without talking a little smack on your penguins, but yeah. they, they did beat up on my abs last night. Well, they so did. That was, they did. And, and Crosby had a, a ridiculous goal. So I will cheers you to that. I can't believe he's still holding up as much. It's he's not living in the generation like Gretzky did where people would avoid him. You know, he's been, he's been hunted and pinned to those boards so many times and the stuff he still manages to pull off is, he does is, is impressive, man. I mean, he's yeah, only, he's impressive. only like 37. He's got, he's got a lot, a lot more, uh, good years 37 of, in, of him. in modern NHL years yeah. though, when you started yeah, well, when yeah. you were 18, right? Like that's, <laughs> God, that's, a, that's a long time he's been in the league yeah, and doing, we're older doing, than we like to admit. That's the I way know, right? <laughs> so I remember, I know, I remember when he got drafted. I'm like, Ugh, getting old here. Yeah, yeah, but you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that your team lost, but I'm glad I'm the one to have, or we're the ones to have brought you down. You yeah, know, it's good to happen yeah. every now and again. But no, Emily, to be honest with you, with with the kid, I haven't been paying paying attention or tuning in much to sports at all because if I keep my eyes open past 10 p.m., yeah, I, I'm doing really 10 good. p.m. Man, you you got me beat by an hour. I'm I'm in bed at nine. I'm like, I'm done. I would love to be in bed at nine, but the, the kitchen's a mess and the bottles aren't prepped. So, you know, oh gosh. we'll get better. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, I hear it, man. I hear it. Um, Emily hockey, you have a team, you have a, do you have an alliance to, to any, any NHL teams? Unfortunately no. not. Well, no, unfortunately oh, not. I'll let you guys handle the band. Well, this has been a one. short podcast, everyone. Hope everyone enjoyed <laughs> the conversation. Two worst Canadians in history. Take her off. And on. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of Canadians am I talking to? <laughs> We vary, okay? We come in all shapes and sizes. Our thing, okay. our teachers used to say the difference between Canada and the States. I don't know if you guys ever heard this. We were a tossed salad and you guys were a melting pot because the whole part of like becoming an American citizen is like you got to know the history. You got to take tests. Mm. You got to, you know, kind of kind of sure. fall, fall in. This is how we do it here. In Canada, we're just like, yeah, okay. 
cool. Uh, sure. You have a spot in Toronto there where all your stores and markets will go and everyone else kind of come in. So it was always toss salad versus melting pot. Did that metaphor ever come up in your educational system? I, I, I know, but it's, it's totally making sense though. I'm like, oh yeah, I can totally see that. <laughs> well, and, and things, things have changed and they're different everywhere now, but uh, yeah. I was just wondering what, uh, what kind of, I'm sure there's a lot and we can go oh, endlessly yeah. about the differences between the educational systems probably, yeah. but I don't think that's what people do. <laughs> that's probably why they are not. Yeah. That's, that's not what they're, they're coming here for. We'll save that for a campfire talk. Oh my gosh. Emily, do you, uh, you run any dogs uh, right now of, of your own? Nope. Um, I have two. Uh, nice. I have two border collies, but we're okay. more weekend warriors than anything go. else. Do a little thought, bit of running, but not. Okay. Running okay. I was going to say, have you gotten into any of the Caney Cross stuff? I know Brian and I talked about a little Caney Cross last time, but. Not yet. Run, running buddies? Running buddies, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, you're, we've got so much woods around too that, like, with your two dogs, particularly where one wants to hurt and bite the other one and the other one wants to correct yeah. them for doing that, they, they're way better off leash. <laughs> so <laughs> right. running in the woods, go. yes, but they, yeah, yeah, they're way better off leash because they're yeah. literally trying to herd you while tethered to you. We've, I've experimented with Emily's dogs before. It's, uh, that, it's fun. Uh, it's entertaining at least. I bet. I bet. <laughs> oh, oh, Brian, I did, since we talked last, I did pick up the, uh, and you sent me some harnesses uh, from some companies you recommended. Mm-hmm. So I picked up that, I think it's non, non-stop dog wear harness. Yeah, yeah. And it is it was a life changer or it's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, it's so much fun. Got the bungee, the bungee, uh, lead. And so hooked that up to my bike, smooth yeah. ride on a mountain bike is dog. my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Daniel who works in our office as well, he's got a little Husky mix and she's just about to turn one, I think. So he's got the harness and the whole setup and he's just been testing the waters a little bit. And he's okay. like, even this little 40 pound dog, but you feel her pull when you're going. So yeah, you know, personal, personal bests are skyrocketing for him. Oh, yeah, so, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm hoping to take her for a run and, and, remember what it's like to run uphill without uh, feeling like you were dying, which is how yeah. it currently feels because the <laughs> right. snow is so sure. heavy and deep right now that anything oh uphill, you just, yeah, yeah. I, but I can only still imagine. Good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, very cool guys. Uh, great catching up with you both. Um, we'll kind of jump into some Anukshuk's uh, business here. Um, the first thing I kind of want to bring up is more so just an observation. I uh, just uh, kind of a, a longer story series, uh, probably about a month ago, maybe a little bit less. Um, just on, on dog food, kind of pulling some of the audience who, who follow the show and kind of two of the big things that were just observation of, of my own, of, of seeing the, the story um, polls and results and, and questions people wrote in was the cups per day that, that people are feeding on a nookshook and off a nookshook. Again, you kind of hear about, you know, we've talked about the nookshook. You can feed a lot less, the higher calorie density, all that good stuff. And it was really interesting to see of uh, people on different brands of feeding so much more. And it was just kind of an eye opener of like, wow, it, it kind of backs up what I was already, what I already know about the Nook Shook, what you guys have, have been putting out as well. And then the other thing was uh, the concern. Lots of people wrote in about concerns with chicken meal, rice, and corn um, in, in their rice, dog. Rice I don't hear often. We hear chicken yeah, and corn often. We don't it, hear it, rice it, often. So that's rice? a little surprising. I know. So I, I was kind of want to toss it to you guys. Do you have, have you been hearing this kind of same stuff? Um, observations, thoughts around kind of those two things that I've been, uh, been hearing from the audience. Emily, why don't you take cups per day and then I'll talk about chicken and corn. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the thing about the Anukshuk is, is, you know, it was designed to be the highest energy dog food on the market, right? It was built for sled dogs that are pulling all day long and burning 
thousands upon thousands of calories while doing so. So with those guys that are up in the woods and, and moving dogs, they, they need that density and that food with those, that caloric intake that doesn't weigh a lot, right? It slows them down. So, you know, you get more into your dog with less volume, you know, highest energy dog food, meaning 720 kilocalories per cup. It's pretty dense. Yeah. Uh, even that's the 3232, the, the 3025 is still, what is it? 573, Brian, uh, right in that range there, which is still higher than, but it, yeah, right, right around there where it's still, it's still higher than what's on the market, but it, it means you get to feed less. Right. And if you have dogs that don't like to eat, uh, that's huge. Or if dogs that can't maintain weight, that's huge. If you have to pick up off your dog, that can be huge. Mm. So if it you is have lots that, of dogs to feed, <laughs> lots of dogs to feed. That's huge. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where it, being a food and a brand that was specifically designed for these working dogs that, and for professionals that have all of those dogs, it's, uh, it's a, a perk and a benefit that uh, other manufacturers can't really provide. It was like the original like market problem that was brought to us that led to the inception of the product. Because yeah. as we, as I think I probably said on the pod, you know, we, we make commercial fish food in the, uh, as well, you know, like the best salmon feed around. So there's a guy coming in buying a metric ton of salmon feed yeah. for, we knew he didn't have fish. And we said, why are you doing this? And he's like, well, this is really high protein, really high fat, and it's a lot cheaper and, and weighs less than meat. So I'm, it's part of my feeding regimen for my sled dogs. Mm. Well, we can make you dog food that, you know, is, is even better, <laughs> better for, them, for that, that accomplishes <laughs> the same thing. Right. So it truly sure. was the first, like, here's yeah. a problem. There's not enough calories in dog food. I want to feed, yeah. you know, for a musher. And then you just extrapolate 20 years and, and five formulas, you know, from all of that. And that was, yeah, that was the first solution that we came to market to solve was let's yeah. get the cups per day down. Yeah. That's, that's, that's brilliant. And, and for, for sled dog, bird dog owners, I mean, again, I mean, I, I, have, I have a few dogs myself. Other people have six, seven, a whole kennel of dogs. And so like you were saying, Brian, it, it makes a big difference when you're able to, you know, my, my Britneys, they're on about a cup and a half a day, uh, summertime, even maybe a little bit less. And that's perfect for them. Um, uh, maintain weight, energy, all that stuff. Honey season, I bump it up a little bit. Um, so from an economic standpoint too, saves me a ton cause I'm, I'm not blowing through four or five cups a day. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we almost 100% of our customers uh, prefer paying less for stuff we found almost. over the years. Yeah. Almost, almost, almost 100%. <laughs> well, there's that one weirdo who just wanted to yeah. tit me. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Brian, why don't you kind of unpack the uh, the thing I kind of kept hearing about, you know, chicken meal, corn, rice, that kind of stuff. Sure. Hearing, uh, so, something similar? Yeah, certain, certain ingredients have bad reputations or um, customers want to avoid them. And sometimes those reasons are legitimate. And sometimes there's a little bit of either misinformation or the understanding or the context realizing that there's a variety of quality when we're talking about these ingredients. So there's mm -hmm. good chicken and there's bad chicken, right? Um, a lot of formulas that are inexpensive will use chicken because it's an inexpensive protein relative to like beef or lamb or salmon or whatever, right? But the problem is with those formulas, it's not necessarily the chicken, although it could be, they could be buying pretty low grade chicken products, mm -hmm. but it's also the rest of their products to keep up, to make inexpensive food, you have to save expenses. You have to put stuff that's not that good in there sometimes. Mm -hmm. So the sum of all these parts are most likely the problem oftentimes, but because chicken is the number one ingredient on the back of the bag, and it can be costly and expensive to figure out really what's going on when the ultimate answer is you just need to go to a better food um, with mm -hmm. ingredients that are better for your dog. So we use chicken, but we use human grade chicken that we use for our chicken meals. Mm. And we're really proud of our farmers and our sourcing of chicken. Um, it's great. And most dogs have no problem digesting chicken. 
But you take, you know, a chicken byproduct that's going to put into an inferior meal with a bunch of other ingredients that are maybe not so hot. Well, now you've got, you know, chicken being blamed for, again, maybe something that's a little bit deeper than just the birds themselves. Sure. Corn is kind of similar. It's misused. Um, there's, you know, we use whole grain corn that we grind in-house ourselves as an energy source in our formulas. And we're really proud of our corn. And most dogs have no problem on corn. But corn can be used to like fortify protein levels or in larger amounts than is good with, again, maybe some other inferior quality products in a, in a formula that's not really performance or quality driven, but it's, you know, trying to do its best for whatever market it's trying to, you know, capture that audience of. So, you know, um, there's a variety of these things now, like Dog Food Advisor, a website that I don't want to poo poo on, but sure. It's good for getting a quick glimpse of something, but it's not a great context provider, right? Um, and we don't always have the opportunity to maybe broach this subject in this depth with everyone who's just scanning on the website sure. or is hearing from somebody else or has had an experience with chicken or corn that was bad. So knowing all that, we you know developed our marine formulas, which take chicken and corn out of the equation, highlight our, our fish that we have in such awesome and like really good quality supply of out mm. here on the East Coast. So now we have a seafood forward option with different grains. So, you know, people, so we're just trying to eliminate barriers for dogs to, to yeah. get on and benefit from the formulas. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The big thing I hear with like chicken sometimes is, you know, an allergy, like a chicken allergy, someone's discovered. Um, and then the, the corn or the, or the, yeah, the corn one, sometimes I'll hear people say like, oh, uh, it's an inflammatory or it, it's, do you ever hear that? Like people are like, oh, it's, it's a vet said it's inflammatory. So it, it must be bad for my dog. Not that inflammatory is not not really what I would I or at least in law, I haven't heard it much, Brian. I don't know if you have about inflammatory. Okay. I think it's been largely used and abused, and like Brian was saying, overused. And sometimes that's where your protein's coming from. When really, when, when you've got performance animals, that should probably be coming from an animal source. Sure. Um, and stuff like that. It gets the the finger pointed at it a lot. But the reason that it was originally incorporated into the Anukshuk diets was because it's incredibly well researched mm. when used in a proper proper source and and as a carbohydrate it's uh, highly digestible over the 90 percent and higher than 90 percent and it, it it's a good ingredient when it's used properly it's just when it's not in, used improperly or the quality isn't high it, of course it, it's less digestible and etc but we the way that we use it is purely as a carbohydrate source that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, catch us up a little bit uh, before we go any further. Catch us up on Nookshook over the last year or so. Brian, might have been a little over a year since, since we talked last. Um, what's the business been like? How have things been growing, developing uh, at Nookshook? Yeah, well, we're um, we're full swing into trade show season right now, which has been great getting to hit the road and meet a lot of new clients and put ourselves in front of a lot new, a uh, lot more people face to face. So um, Emily got to go to Pheasant Fest. Um, that was oh, in Minnesota. Nice. What was that? Yeah. February? Uh, yeah. I think February. February. Yeah. Yeah, February. Uh, you know, nice. 20, 30,000 people walking through there. And um, I mean, it was awesome because, you know, we used to go to these shows, not that show, but other shows, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago. And you do a lot of introducing. Mm -hmm. uh, now when we go to shows and, and that show particularly, it was a lot of like, Hey, we've heard of a Nookshuk. Yeah. We're on a Nookshuk. This is great. So there's a lot of people where we weren't introducing ourselves, but they were like, you know, really appreciative of having the opportunity to ask these kind of questions sure. and, and find out what it's all about and what makes it different. So the overwhelmingly positive response from there, the hunting community in general, um, 
you know, we've switched a lot of kennels, board and train kennels, strings of dogs onto this food. So uh, being able to meet and actually, you know, Kenton Bryant that you introduced us to and David mm-hmm. Stover from Fit Point Bird Dogs, some of these connections and people that we're, ma- that we're learning from and, and really yeah. benefiting from having like a working relationship with has been really rewarding. So awesome to hit the road and, and, and strengthen some bonds that are, that are coming from new places. I just got back from Vegas at a police canine conference and oh, you know, cool. talking to a lot of officers that are feeding the food in the field, uh, hearing pain points, um, hearing positives, um, hearing tactics. Again, so many, so many learning and, 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 and opportunities to interact with people that, you know, that are out there and that are feeding our food, but time is just so precious these days, right? Everyone's so busy. So trade shows and trade show season is great. We get energized and then it propels us to figure out the next six months of the year once they kind of wind down. Although this year we spread them out and we're kind of going. Yeah, you're still right going until, hard. Right until fall. Um, anyhow, so yeah, so things are good. And the wholesale program and the trusted reseller program are both really, really taken off. Um, That's awesome. We got a lot of net news. Um, we got a lot of more people incoming and, and they're, they're coming already kind of sold on the product, which is nice. Cause a lot of sure. our people are talking to other people, you know, people like, like your word of mouth, the reason why you sponsor a podcast or, or make a relationship, uh, with someone in a certain field is, is because your, your opinion and your actual proof in the performance of your animals sure. and the look of your animals does more than we can ever do from our mm-hmm. mouths directly. Right. So sure. Making those connections is awesome. So yeah, no, yeah. All, all systems go, man. Uh, Marine That's 16 awesome. just landed on Chewy. Resellers are growing. We're, yeah. we're happy. That's fantastic. Are you guys still selling a lot uh, direct? Or is it live at Chewy, pallet orders? Like, can people Everything's only order? kind of growing. We focus Everything. on direct because, you know, selling a pallet to a customer um, and then having them resell affords us a lot of benefits. Um And there's not anyone else really focusing on that need, catering to that need. It's a, sure. it's a pretty specific lane direct wholesale pallets performance dog food but there's a lot of people in that lane so Mm -hmm. there's a lot there's a lot that we can be that we can do here and you know focus again is kind of if we had to summarize how we're going to grow successfully in a year emily i would say focus um Mm -hmm. and so you know yeah, I've been seeing a lot That's more of the, the pallet order kind of stuff. Someone will want to order a pallet and they get some people from their area to go in on a pallet together. Yeah. And, Chewy um, gets it to any door that we need to. And our Canadian online website does the same over here, um, which is great. We don't want anyone who wants to know shift not to be able to get it. Sure. Um, but there's so many people out there with so many dogs on hand that really need an option for this this, this huge group of dogs that uh, we're, we're really happy being able to to provide provide that service and with a product that we feel is just dialed in, you know, yeah. ready, ready for these dogs to succeed on. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, one of the things I, I thought would be interesting, either you can answer this question. Um, one of the things I, I've noticed about a Nook Shook is, um, again, compared to other dogs who dog foods I, I've, I've seen in the past or used, um, the, when you open up a bag is there are virtually no crumbs or dust in those bags. Can you explain why that is? Cause to me, it's fascinating. Every time I open a bag, I'm like, there's no crumbs. There's no dust. Like, why is that? Uh, how the product's made. <laughs> um, so uh, the way that we make dog food is different than how most companies would do it. So uh, given our roots in uh, aquaculture, you have to think of what we were what we were feeding before. So we were feeding animals that were underwater, right? So some of those animals feed at the bottom, some of them feed at the top, some of them feed in the water column. And so the density of that product really matters and whether it floats and whether it sinks. Um, and I also have very short digest- digestive tracts and you're dealing with farmers who know how, how big their fish are, how much food goes in and then how big their fish are when they come out. Right. Sure. So there's a food conversion ratio there. So when you're dealing with oils and waters, um, they also separate. So all those things, all those things, keeping all those in mind, um, 
the way that we source our ingredients, as Brian mentioned, is we source them in whole form and we grind them all up in-house to the consistency of flour. So it's super, super fine and your particle size is really small. Now, what that does um, from a nutrition perspective is it gives you really small particle sizes where the digestive enzymes can get more out of them because it's it's more ground up, right? Like we chew our food to grind things up so that we can get more food out of them during the transit time. So it, it allows for that from a nutritional perspective, but it also allows for that really clean, crisp kibble that we make. The second thing we do is with the fat infusion. So we use a vacuum. Most companies would use a conditioning chamber, which is, you know, you put, you cook your kibble, you put fat on the kibble, you move things around, maybe use a little bit of heat. And that's, that's, that's coated in fat, right? But ours is an actual vacuum. So kibble goes in, fat goes in, things get mixed up. And then we suck all the air out of the vacuum Mm. and slowly let it back in. And what that does is it takes all of those fats from the outside of the kibble to the inside of the kibble, right? So... Like for that perspective, that's how we can get a higher fat that, than anyone else in, on, in the marketplace. By, by putting it back in, right? It's Slowly filling all, It's like filling all those little pores in a kibble uh, okay. with fat, right? Wow. So mo- usually they'd be filled with air and ours are filled with fat. So it's the same thing. Like if you put our kibble in water, it'll sink because yeah. it's denser than the water because it doesn't have the air particles in it. Right. It's a okay, nice, okay. dense, clean kibble. So you don't have any bag dust because of our cooking process, because we've got finer particles that are more glued together and because there's no air in it. So it's all filled with fat and it just makes this nice, dense, little nutrient rich, rich packet for okay. the, for the dog to consume. Jeez. That's, that's some science <laughs> right there. Anyone who's like uh, <laughs> dealt with a lot of dog food and they're like, why, well, well, what, what about your shit? I don't care. What show right. me why? And you just put a little bit in their hand and go, Oh, Oh yeah, this is good stuff. Yeah. You can it, feel it's, it. It's, it. Yeah, it's dry. It's not oily. It's heavy. Yeah. It's substantial. Uh, it's yeah. they're hard to break. Yeah. Um, so any, anyone who's dealt with a lot of dog foods and, and been through the woes of finding a good dog food, use again. My job is not to sell the food. It's just to I'll give opportunities or make opportunities for the food to sell itself. You put it in someone's sure. hand, and they can tell it's different. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned it, it's hard to break. I don't think I've ever seen a broken piece. <laughs> Of kibble ever. It, it happens very seldomly. It's, it's I'm sure it's cool. Yeah, like no, it's, bo- yeah. no dust in the bottom of the bag. Yeah, that, that that's the most fascinating part to me because again, the typical you're gonna have crumbs and dust and all this crap everywhere. Yeah, and if you're so, buying I, a pallet of it, you don't want yeah. a third of your pallet to be exactly a pounded dust. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> oh, very cool. Well, uh, this whole episode, we're gonna kind of go through some different, um, basically just questions for you on the, on the foods and things I've heard, whether it's from online, people reaching out to me directly. And again, things maybe you have heard as well. Um, but one of the other things that um, I, I've heard quite a bit of, uh, some questions on uh, why, why not glucosamine in the, the formulas? Um, can you guys talk a little bit more about that? Yep. Um, so we didn't add glucosamine or chondroitin to our formulas. Uh, thanks for pronouncing that by the way, cause I did not know how to pronounce it. I got you. That's, why, that's why I left it out of the question. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to look like an idiot. So, so sound like uh, an idiot. it's an audio. Yeah, exactly. You're good exactly. on looks. <laughs> Uh, no, okay. So we did, we, we did have, we do not have glucosamine or chondroitin in our foods. Okay. Um, a couple of reasons for that. Um, There is a little bit there, but it will come in naturally from the animal protein sources that we're using. Um, But people add glucosamine and chondroitin for joint health. And in order to get a clinical level where you might see any sort of um, actual benefit directly from the food, the levels have to be quite high and would vary animal to animal to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. 
So we haven't approached that because we don't feel as though that's necessarily the best cost for or Mm. cost increase for the food. The thing that we do, though, that also helps a lot with joint health is add a lot of fish oils, which are rich in omega-3s, which do also have a lot of joint health benefits as well as coat health and a variety of other things. That's more the avenue that we've taken. Glucosamine and chondroitin are really easy to supplement as well. So if anybody really needs to have those, they're they're readily available. Yeah, yeah. There's chewables, powders, all sorts of stuff that they they could. So is that, uh, I think you mentioned the cost, is that a pretty big would that be a pretty big jump in cost to be adding that to the formulas it, it, it can be um okay. and, and the thing is like since every dog is different getting it to a point where you're actually going to see some sort of actual mm. relief directly from that sure. it, it's more we view it as be more of a more of a marketing initiative than it would be an actual functionality okay. and since this food has been designed for you know a specific purpose of functionality. We, we don't necessarily add a lot of extra stuff in there just to have them on a label. That makes sense. Yeah. Because, yeah. because you're saying they have to get so much glucosamine for it to be effective. Well, then you're going to have to feed a dog X amount more of food, right? To get that level of glucosamine. So that makes total sense. We just don't need it. Yeah. We don't put anything in there that we don't need. There, yeah. sure. You know, f- fillers and stuff like that are where your formula can really start to thin itself. You know what I mean? Mm. And other companies do it for various reasons. We're lucky that, you know, Emily and her father have been making the decisions and trusting in the values and opinions of a, of a smaller group of people where there's not as much at stake except for our reputation, right? It's mm. not millions of doors and stores and, you know, like having a competition be at such a different scale than us really allows us to be quite a bit different. And those differences pretty much always benefit the formula and the customer in the long run. And you guys are making all this in one facility, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have multiple facilities kind of producing this? Nope, just ours. Okay. The Big Blue Stack. Mm-hmm. Big Blue <laughs> Big Blue Production Facility. It's the one of the tallest buildings in Little Old Fredericton, probably at the top of our stack. Okay. <laughs> probably is. I think a yeah. tall building around here is like five five levels or something. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, it's, 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 a, it's a good facility. Come come hunt some stuff down this way and we'll take you for a tour yeah. and show you how the sausage is made. It's cool. Oh, I'd lo- I love that. Is, are you guys, again, it seems like you guys have been growing really, really well. Are you guys starting to, I mean, capacity-wise, are you still able to produce just as much as, as you need to right now? Are you starting to outgrow that space or... Well, the you mill's know, been is more efficient now than it's ever been, right, Em? Yeah, it, it's, you know, yes, we've, we've got lots of room. Um, mm. The nice thing about um, about it is that we there's lots of room for improvement, too, in our, mm. in our processes and getting things more streamlined as, as we grow. So, yeah, nice. there's, no, there's no risk of shortages anytime soon. That's awesome. That's great. Um, all right, next question. Um, so, you know, switching between Anukshuk formulas, um, like why is this? Uh, yeah, I'm speaking some, from personal experience. I switched between the 2616 and then the uh, 3025. Mm-hmm. Why is it such an easy process to be able to switch between formulas without upsetting the dog's stomachs? Um, which, uh, that's a big one. Um, you know, typically, if you're switching foods or something like that, like it's a, it could be a month or longer process to really switch them. Um, I've noticed I can switch my dogs really, really smoothly, no upset stomachs. Um, why is that such an easy process uh, with Nookshook? I think a large part of it was intentional design, right? Like we we organize our food by by energy level, right? So a lot of brands will go, you know, here's our puppy food, here's our adult food, and here's our senior food. Well, 
different puppies need different things. Different adults need different things. So by, by doing it on an energy level and then plugging the dog into the most appropriate energy level, keeping an eye on that. And as their energy needs increase, hmm. well, our formulas increase in the certain things that will provide those energies. Right. But because there's no fillers, uh, quality ingredients in there, um, and a really tight production process, the dog's stomach can handle everything that we've put in there because there's a lot of research on those ingredients that most dogs can handle these things and we've got all the experience from it. So we, we know that that's true when it comes to switching from like, a, like a lot of people, you know, are like, oh, I'm looking for a new dog food. You would be new to me. You know, will my dog have a hard time transitioning from what they're eating? You know, well, depends on what they're eating. Sure. If they are really liking it and there's similar ingredients to our food, there's probably not going to be a problem. If their body really doesn't like it right now and you're <laughs> switching for those reasons, well then who cares if, if we're removing sure. that from the system and they have a little bit of a time adjusting to this one and maybe leveling out over a week or two with some soft stool or sure. maybe some nose up, you know, experiences at the bowl, things like that. Um, but, but for the most part within the line and even with our Marine and our original formulas, you know, multiple proteins and multiple um, grains and things are good for a dog. The, their ability to digest and pull different things from these different uh, sources is a positive, right? So sometimes mm. people will be like, you know, can I mix my Marine 25 and 35 together if I have some? It's like, yeah, sure. You're like, you know, that's your dog can handle some fish and handle some chicken. Don't don't worry too much about it. It's not sure. too much. Sure. You know, um, their, their stomachs are, are more capable. And then sometimes I feel that we give them credit to because, again, you know, market noise and personal and sure. one-off experiences, maybe carrying more weight than they necessarily should. To be honest with you, most dogs could probably switch over to our formulas very quickly. And then within our brand, even easier. Yeah. But we always err to the side of caution and sure. say, you know, add 25% every two days. If yeah. You're if you're switch, like it. switching from an outside brand too. Yeah. 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 But again, it's, it's the, it's the ingredient deck and it's the intention to know that there's going to be a lot of scenarios where you go up and then maybe back down and then maybe back up. Sure. And maybe you need to go like a couple steps down because of a, a situation where they're hard keeping for whatever reason, you know, as long as you're following those guidelines and you understand that everything that we build is to a certain standard that's regulated, like, the food is safe when you get the right one to the right dog and their, their stomach's probably going to handle it. Okay. Yeah. And, and just kind of to recap, so make sure our listeners are following you're saying within the, uh, the three original formulas, not, not including the Marine right now, the ingredients are so similar that it's just really the, is it the calories that are really different? Like, like how much calories are in those foods essentially? The calories are different, but the ingredient decks are the same. So the ingredient ratios change. Okay. But the actual decks are are more or less seamless. Yeah. Okay, and that's why it's it's a smooth transition. Um, and then the same the same is true. I'm guessing for the Marines because I know you have two Marine formulas now, right? Yes. Yep. Same thing. Okay. Same deal. Okay. Um, and the Marine, you talk a little bit about you know that that's been out for I mean, what, two years now, maybe a little more, a little less. No, Marine? I guess Marine Twenty Five is two years now, isn't it? Two, okay. Pretty close. Yeah. We launched yeah. it in November. I so think... was it two years old in November? I think we soft launched it in the summer and then launched it when it went live on Chewy, I think in, this, in November. It was it Marine 25, the COVID, first one and then 16. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just messed up everyone's just, it's timelines. All, it's all and, <laughs> um, talk a little bit about the, the, uh, you know, the, the process in releasing a Marine formula. Was it, was it because people saying, Hey, I, I can't do chicken. Was that, was that my, why Marine was created? Talk a little bit more about that. You want to go in? Want me to go? Yeah, I, I, sure, I can take it. Um, so, you know, we were we were we were discussing all this kind of stuff, and 
barriers to entry, really. Um, so, you know, the, the, the things that we've talked about a little bit already is you, there's, there's chicken, you have corn, you have wheat, pick, a, pick an ingredient that somebody, somebody uh, has some sort of aversion to or the dog has some sort of aversion to. And, you know, we were discussing what our next moves were and it just came down to, look, we have a really ready access of fish here. If, if our customers don't like chicken, some of them, we can, we, can, we can make a new formula that doesn't include these ingredients that are more controversial because we want people to try our product. We really do believe in what we do around here and we believe in formulation integrity. And if, if the chicken doesn't work for you, here's another option. It's same same quality, same fat levels, same protein levels. Sure. Everything else is seamless. It's just you've got these issues with these ingredients. We got another one for you. Hmm. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Brian. Well, I would say that seafood, like we we have the, some of the best seafood in the world, yeah. right mm-hmm. in our backyard as well, right? Sure. Yeah. And there's a lot of positives from you know the polyunsaturated fatty acids that exist in seafood based proteins. So you know if the chicken and corn thing wasn't as big of an issue of it of it we would probably be making marine five years down the road because we'd be mm-hmm. like, okay, guys, we, we need to grow. We need to innovate still. You know, what, what are some things we can bring to the market where maybe there's a, there's a hole or there's a solution we can provide. Sure. And, you know, some people just prefer their dogs on fish for the coat or for, or they're tired of buying salmon oil or whatever. So they're looking for a salmon source. So, you know, the, um, the need for removing barriers of entry coupled with the fact that we have the best seafood in the world yeah. literally in our backyard it was yeah. it was a no-brainer once we got that kind of out on paper looking like that right? right so yeah i would i would add that for sure because it's it's good stuff and herring is nice because it's it's, it's an oil it's like a sardine right like a big sardine mm. it's an oily fish sure. so people don't love eating it necessarily but it's got so much of that amazing fish oil in it and there's so much of it available because it's not being it's not like salmon you know where it's being on the on the human consumption market as well so like we're in sure. just an amazing spot to take advantage of that wonder ingredient. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, it, this is probably a r- maybe a really, really dumb question. So you have like 26, 16, 30, 25. Why are the Marines just, so Marine 25 and Marine 16? So people don't get shipped the wrong bag of food. Because <laughs> yeah. so, we shorthand, right? And, and we're all yeah. busy. So okay, if I okay. say, hey, I need, a pallet of, uh, I need a pallet of Marine 3025 over there. No problem. One pallet of Marine and one pallet of 3025. Or one pallet okay. of 3025 because they forgot the Marine part, right? So just opportunity for error increases. That's so awesome. So they are the same protein analogs and <laughs> okay. they're meant to be partners with our original formulas. But yeah. we couldn't call them the same thing because yeah. you, you know how it would go. Just yeah. a little more. Con- okay. The universe yeah. would make us pay. That question has been bugging me for a long time. I'm like, why are these ones just 25 or just 16? I'm like, purely I figured for the, the fat level was more important for the okay. energy than the, than the protein level. But yeah, I'm marine because it's fish and, and just to make it easy on ourselves. Yeah, That's awesome. That's awesome. And then one more uh, maybe done question. I don't, because I, I don't know because I, I don't um, use marine, but is there is there corn or rice in those formulas too? Rice, no corn. Rice, Brown rice, no pole oats, and barley okay. are the okay. grain. So real quick, because we get this question all the time, you know, why would I choose marine over this? Um, if you have joint, skin, coat, olfactory issues that you want to either, you know, encourage the best scenario possible or there's things you want to correct, marine's got more of those uh, omegas in there, slightly higher levels, you're probably going to go there. If your dog likes seafood better than other proteins, mm-hmm. then go there. Um, there's different protein set and different grain set, but then everything else is almost, you know, they measure up to be really the functional analogs. Okay. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, yeah, again, I've heard a lot of people be like, oh, I just don't want corn. I just don't want corn. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, now it's good to know. There's actually right. no corn in. Here's Marine. It's 10 bucks corn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We love you. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. All right. A couple, uh, couple more listener questions um, I got from uh, folks over the last couple months. Um, one, does the extra fat, and they're, they're talking about Anukshuk specifically, um, does the extra fat content hurt the liver over time? Is this something you guys, you guys know about? So I was reading this question and I'd love to know where this listener was coming from, from this, because when it comes to high fat, we typically hear about pancreatitis, not, uh, and a concern there, not so much on the liver side of things. Um, the pancreas creates digestive enzymes. And sometimes if, uh, the dog is used to a certain level of fat and then you decide you're going to give it the whole leftover turkey after dinner or Mm -hmm. something, that spike in fat level can cause an acute pancreatitis. And there is a chronic form as well. Um, and, and usually if people have concerns, it's about that uh, okay. rather than, than the liver itself. And, and that is, that's not an actual I think that's concern. just a, 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 like, you know, a layman's misunderstanding of which organ yeah. we're actually talking about. We know that one of these organs is processing this, and I think it's going to hurt gets something, maybe. Yeah. More. yeah. We can't all be as so, smart as Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I have my moments too. <laughs> but, but no, I, I think that's, that is where it's coming from. And, and it's not. One thing I will say there too is another, another, um, pancreatitis can arise from rancid fats, which, okay might be the concern as well. And we use a lot of things to prevent this from happening. But if you ever have a punctured bag of dog food or you have something that you're going to eat and it smells like paint, hmm. that, that means it's rancid and it hmm. shouldn't be fed to an animal. Sure. Um, and it's a very, it's a very distinct smell when something, when, when fats oxidize and become rancid and it's, it smells chemical rather than, than natural. And okay. uh, that's a rancid fat, and that that can cause pancreatitis. Uh, but that's rare and not common, really, um, in the pet food market. And, and anyway, it has to be exposed to oxygen for a period of time before okay. that happened. Um, so we will occasionally hear just about fat levels and concerns about pancreatitis, but that is not uh, a founded thing. Their fats are not rancid and a higher yeah. level. The thing about dogs too is like, so humans, if we're going to go out and do some exercise, we carb sure. load, right? Like we're going to run a marathon, we're going to eat a whole bunch of pasta, we're going to go run that marathon and kill it. Um, that's a theory anyways. Um, sure. Dogs will use carbohydrates to a certain extent, kind of to get the engine going, so to speak. But they will, if they're doing any sort of sustained activity, they will use fats, free fatty acids, which are in, from fats in their diet um, as a ready source of energy as opposed to using carbohydrates. So um, the whole objective here is we're providing a whole variety of, of these fats for these dogs to eat and having a higher level means there's more ready energy, energy for them, them to, to consume and use, um, especially polyunsaturated forms. So, um, there's no direct link in between feeding a high fat diet every day and pancreatitis. And I don't okay. know anything about uh, that specific issues with the liver, sure. but if your listener does have one, we're more yeah, yeah. Here, we're here to help. So yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to hear. I think the big thing is like if, about that. if your dog's gaining weight and they're over their ideal weight, you know, you're, you're either yeah. feeding too much or maybe you should kick back down a formula. Right. Sure. So just knowing what your dog's uh, weight should be, um, if they're expelling that energy, because again, everything is, is pretty regulated, right? There's there's not mm-hmm. a lot of free-floating room for certain things to safeguard these dogs as much as possible, you know, through AFCO and other means like that. So, you know, if you're our, – our feeding calculations are for, um, you know, uh, an assumed level of activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and if your dog's gaining weight from what our feeding guidelines are suggesting, 
maybe they're just not as active. So dial it back a bit um, and, and just monitor that. But that's going to be the thing that happens that you're going to notice. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very manageable if you're keeping an eye on it, especially as you're switching over to the formula. Once you get in a cycle and a rhythm, you're good. You know, you'll know if it's working or not kind of thing. So if you're a new customer and you're worried about, is this too fatty for my dog? Just feed what we recommend, keep an eye on the weight. And if it's creeping up, feed a little less. If you're like, oh, that's a measly portion because our food's so dense, we'll just go down to the formula below. You can feed a little bit of a bigger meal and you're good. So yeah. there's there's really, a, certainly for the trying period and the time yeah. where it, it'll take there's you, ways you to you know if it's working or not. Yeah, there's, there's ways, ways to, to, to adjust it a little bit and, and have some options. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's not like you're going to be destroying their organs for eight months and you won't know. And then all of a sudden, you know, something horrible happens, like horrible things happen that are health related, surely. But, you know, um, that kind of that liver panic is is something that we're trying to tamp down a little bit. Because, again, there's a lot to understand with this stuff if you start asking questions and pulling threads. And we know that that information is not as always easy to get from the source that you might trust or, you know, have access to. So, you know, that's why podcasts are so great. Right. Exactly. Get smart people like you on to explain all this this technical stuff. Let the record show but, he but, put into Emily when he said that. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> no, but but you have a point there, Brian. Like feeding guidelines are just guidelines. And with mm. your largest concern should be that your dog will gain too much weight on this food because it is denser. And if, if your dog does start to gain weight, you have to pull back because they are just guidelines. Not every dog is the same, just like not sure. every human is the same. Um, yeah, and, and then and I mean, Brian, I think, starting point. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say, Brian. I think you mentioned like the acti- it, they're really activity level based, and so if your dog is, I'm just going to say, a couch potato pet, like probably not a good idea to feed the top fat level food, right? Like honestly, we you feed have to really balance. Exactly, not the top level, but you know, there's a lot of couch potatoes that are loving their 2616 or the marine yeah. 16. You know, it's a it's a good foundational formula. It's a pretty versatile formula in that sense. Um, and I, w- I would put that up against any of the, you know, best-selling pet branded, like house pet branded formulas, sure. truly. And we don't market that because we're the an actual professional dog food and we want to attract professional canine people and sell pallets sure. of food. People who typically have a Shih Tzu don't eat a pallet of food, right. but we're, we're very... <laughs> they're not even uh, <laughs> eating four cups a day. <laughs> I mean, some of these dogs will take a, five <laughs> they might, a yeah. bag and they're like, can I freeze this? I'm like, yeah, you actually can freeze it and just, you know, use a fifth <laughs> of it at a, at a time. So you, you, um, can, you can really yeah. freeze it? Yeah, you can freeze really? it, and then when it thaws okay. out, there might be a little, um, you know, condensation that develops on the food. But if okay. it's being fed fairly quickly, you're okay. But that is the thing option. with storing is just steady temperature more than like worrying about too. I mean, too hot in the sun's no good. But like oh, warm sure. is okay, and cold is okay as long as they're steady. And then when you open a fresh bag, no worries there, kind of thing. But okay. you can freeze the food if you if you need to. Okay, for our shit suit listeners. Yeah, for all the people that have a massive freezer, they can just wheel a pallet into. <laughs> And a bunch of chihuahuas. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Chihuahua farm. Um, uh, all right, another question here. Um, is a Nook Shook coming out with a puppy-specific formula anytime soon? Well. Brian, I saw a hard head shake <laughs> no. Well, I'll let, I can let Emily explain why. And it's, it's yeah. more of a... It's more of a um, semantics thing than it is a will we make a formula that's good for puppies right em it's semantics yeah so the way that the regulations work are um for afco you can have foods that are all life stages for large breed puppies including large breed puppies foods that are for all life stage stages for only small breed puppies or adult maintenance there's only really three classifications Mm. of foods um things that you see branded as puppy 
are all maintenance are all sorry all life mm. stages is how is how the actual afco is and then the puppy just indicates that it, it is suitable for puppies our 2616 okay. and marine 16 are both puppy suitable diets and designed for that actually all of our diets are really designed for all life stages but the way that they're they're branded is different so we, we took the approach of using energy levels so 2616 all life stage diet all sizes of dogs can be fed from okay. the second the dog is has weaned up until the moment it kicks the can without any particular issues but if you need a higher higher energy level you can go up or down from there so it, it is semantics so, I mean, kind of cut into the, the chase, like other dogs. is our puppy formula. That's cut okay. to the chase. Really. Oh, and other brands, <laughs> is it really more yeah. of a marketing thing probably of like, hey, we have a puppy brand? Because you're saying the AFCO standard is they kind of have to apply to all stages. Yeah. Think of it like if you go into, into, the, grocery, into the grocery store or CVS or something and you have a headache, you look for the Tylenol that says headache, right? And that's the one you mm -hmm. buy. Sure. It, it's that simple. It, it's like people go mm -hmm. into into pet food stores, and there's a bazillion brands, and they're so it's overwhelming. And the one that says puppy, I have a puppy. It, it, that's that's how the it how the marketing with you. is done. Okay. It, it's easier to understand than this is for all life stage, and you go well. I got an, an old senior dog. It's still suitable. Yeah, it is. It's designed that way. But the thing that puppies need is they need they need a little bit more protein, a few more amino acids, a few more. Uh, minerals and, and vitamins than what adults do because once you're an adult you kind of you're not growing anymore you're not putting on any more mass so like adult maintenance is a different standard but anything that is if you flip the bag over and read the afco statements if it says all life stages it really does mean all life stages it is a puppy food mm. okay Very i mean cool. think about it once once our kids are off milk what do they start eating what you're the making for eat. dinner exactly yeah. right so it's, yeah. it's just a matter of like again amount and uh, you know quality as much as possible Sure. Yeah. Okay. Love that, guys. Thank you. Uh, all right. A couple more here. Um, it's kind of a longer one. I will read this. Uh, I am in the southeast and concerned about my dogs getting overheated easier on the higher protein options. Uh, have you heard of this before or, or is this just a wives' tale? No, this is something that um, is a concern in the hunting community particularly because uh, there's a lot of hunting in hot areas, obviously, and we don't want dogs to overheat. So sometimes people f say like, oh, that, that food runs hot. And – Whenever someone says that to me, I go, what do you mean? Because <laughs> our food is actually – it's higher protein and higher fat, but it's much easier to digest than most foods. So digestion is a, is a process and that process kicks off heat, body heat. We keep body heat down typically. Um, so I don't get the – like there's a phrase the out there and there, I, the concern doesn't – it yep. doesn't connect. Now um, – dogs that uh you know are working in hot climates you know keeping the body temperature down is good but one thing that we always say you know people that kind of comes tandem with this question is um you know can i float your food in water so that i know that if my dog's about to go have a hot day i can get as much water in him as possible and he's not sure. that interested in it unless there's food in it can i do this and the answer is yes but it's not what we recommend as your first option so because there's no air in our food, sometimes people are pouring water on food to make it softer, right? Okay. Ours doesn't really get softer. Like Emily said, it kind of sinks, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, it's not going to solve that problem for you. Yeah. And then if you think of a dog, you know, lapping up their food in, in water, well, they're not going to be chewing it as much. It's going to be going straight down. So you're, mm -hmm. you're losing the benefit from the abrasion on the teeth and gums for, for any cleaning that the, the food can help assist in, oh, which sure. is the main way dogs clean their teeth. But then when it hits the stomach, it's surrounded by water and unchewed kibble. So even though our kibble is ground down to a powder and is really easy once those stomach enzymes start doing their thing, yeah. 
chewed food with some water afterwards is a better scenario for digestion than a whole stomach full of water and unchewed food, right? Uh, okay. So yeah, yeah. because you want your dog to have an easier time digesting and you want them to have as small as meal as possible before a big run out in the field, mm-hmm. our food actually, if, if I have to use the broken terminology, it runs cool. <laughs> it's high protein and it's high fat, but it's really, okay. really digestible. So our food's not making your dog be going to be hotter in the field doing their thing. Okay. Um, so I, 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 I want further understanding on that term and maybe I misunderstand it because there's other elements that come into it running hot that sure. I don't quite grasp yet. So if you get feedback from this, sure. I want it because I, I talked to a lot one, of hunters. The, the one word that meant like is Emily, you might know the answer to this, but like he said, uh, overheat easier on the higher protein options. Is, is there a, a thought out there? Maybe and again, I'm reading into this question a little bit too. More protein equals your dog's going to run hotter. Is is that a thing or no? I th- I think the perception is that the higher protein is harder to break down there. And there's more than what they may need. And therefore it, it creates more heat. I, I, I'm with Brian in that I've never fully grasped what that concept means. Sure. Um, I, I will say if you're running dogs, especially day after day, you do need to have a good level of protein in there for muscle maintenance. And, mm-hmm. and that is also important. So you don't want to sacrifice too much on that side uh, either if you're actually running sure. dogs. But clarity on that, if you have it, sure. we, would, we, would love to, we would love to get that. <laughs> yes. And I'd be that guy, you know that meme, the guy sitting behind the table? I, my sign would read, Anukshuk runs cool, prove me wrong. You know, I want to talk about it. I'm here. All right, someone, someone please make that. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, we need, we need a little bo- bobblehead of you and we'll stick, we'll stick that up there. You know what? We've got a marketing team. We're on it. <laughs> Perfect. Aren't you the head of that marketing team? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to make someone else do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. Um, listener, if, if you wrote that question in, we'd love to hear you maybe even more context. Um, yeah, please. Because we're, we're, we're honestly not I'd trying love to hear more about we, that. We want to serve this community as Absolutely. best as possible. And we want to know these concerns. It's why we're here. And, and there's a lot of hunting dogs on our food now. And, and you know, I would say exponential growth in the last few years in this demographic. So any understanding that your community can help us build is yeah. more beneficial for all the dogs. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. I love that. All right. Um, another one here, uh, feeding recommendations and cost per bag. Um, guessing this is all online, but you want to expand a little bit on maybe your thoughts around feeding recommendations and, and costs and all that. Emily, you take feeding recommendations and I'll take cost per bag. So like why, how do we reach our feeding recommendations and that kind of stuff? There you (laughs) go. I imagine, right, Will? Yeah, we'll go with it. Okay. Sorry, I cut you off. I'm go. No, 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 no. Um, No, they are, they are, they are all available on our website and we we have a calculator there that can map out at least how how long a bag would uh, last a dog based on um, the formula as well as, as the size of the dog. Um, it also I, tells I them how many calories per day they need, which is a, is a helpful piece of information too, oh, which a lot yeah. of people don't realize. So I would really check out that, um, feeding that calculator. calculator is, yeah, that's it's underneath really the formulas nice. tab. Yeah. 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 Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're calculated for active adult dogs or act or for, and in case of the 2616 and the Marine 16 or, uh, extended feeding guidelines that you may get from us, that's, that's calculated based on the requirements of the dog at any particular life stage. So, uh, or size. Um, it, it, like, like, like Brian already mentioned, it's all, they are just recommendations though. Like when when somebody is transitioning on, we recommend that they start towards the lower end of the feeding guidelines. It is a denser kibble than what 
they would be used to. But it's at the end of the day, if your dog needs more calories, it's more food. If the dog needs less calories, it's less food or it's transition up a formula or down a formula, depending on what you need. I, I don't know. What else we we can add to yeah, that? Yeah, no, that's that's great. I would say calculator, that. I would say, is a really really nice tool. It's, I, I've it's poked a great around tool. that a little bit, and that's a really just nice just to add on. To if you're if you're a breeder or you have different age puppies, we do have um, a document, our extended feeding guide guideline, mm-hmm. which covers all formulas in all life stages. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't put it on the back of the bag because it's too big. It's a spreadsheet, but mm-hmm. it's a spreadsheet that anybody wants it can have it. So uh, email anookshookpro at cory dot ca um, or reach me on socials and I can get you that extended feeding guideline too. Cause you know, sometimes there's like a large breed puppy who's going to graduate to 3025 earlier than a fully sure. grown dog, smaller dog would. So what do I feed for the growing stages? We do have that information available, but it's too much to look at in any one place online or on the back of a bag. So it's just something that we is available upon request. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Brian, why don't you talk about costs a little bit? I mean, that's something that really hasn't changed much since we've talked last, right? Like cost per bag. Don't and- say that out loud, Will. <laughs> the world is fluid. No, we're lucky. We, we haven't had any. That's been uh, so nice. It has been, and it, but it's, it's tough, you know? So there's been some changes, like going to a full pallet for a minimum order on a wholesale order was really because it was getting too expensive to ship 20 bags or half pallets around, and we didn't want the price of the food to go up per bag. Hmm. So something's got to give, right? Um, luckily we make our food. resellers. Yeah. Our, mm-hmm. our re- we really do want anyone who needs less than a pallet to yeah. be going. So talking on price, going to a reseller, there's three ways to buy a nookshook. If you need a pallet, no one's going to give you a better price than us. We make it, we have it, we'll ship it to you. We can get anywhere in North America and beyond hit us up. Um, that's going to be your best value. Obviously, um, a solid pallet of one formula is the best. Cause there's like fuel surcharges and lift gate charges per order. So if you're doing like a mixed pallet, um, we charge a little bit more for that because we got to build up that custom palette. And then if you're ordering multiple palettes, okay. um, sorry, mixed mixed palette meaning like we want more you know, than one formula on okay. a palette. So a palette's between fifty and sixty five bags, depending how much, uh, depending on the formula. Sorry, okay. and a mixed palette just has more than one formula. So our warehouse guys will break down a palette of thirty twenty five and a palette of twenty six sixteen. They'll build you up your custom. They'll wrap it because okay. we have an amazing warehouse and some a facility there. So we want to get it to you in the best condition possible. So we mix them at our facility in Fredericton, ship it to Maine, and then off it goes to our American customers or to our Canadian customers from our warehouse. So that's the one way to buy it, wholesale direct. Best value if you need a lot of dog food. The second best way to buy it is through our trusted resellers. So because the the focus of the business is is by the pallet, it means that we can't be in big box stores. Because if you go into a big box store or a chain store, they say, okay, great. We have this whole area on lockdown. If anyone needs it, they have to go to us, no other retail partners. Mm -hmm. Because there's an assumed level of volume there that they think will make that tempting. And for some formulas and brands, sure. But we've, again, that lane that we're trying to focus on is we know there's a lot of people out there that need to buy the pallet and we want to give them the best price and the best value on it and be directly controlling of it because we're really proud of this thing. We don't want to lose its specialness. So um, to compensate for not having our product in big box stores, anyone who buys a pallet and wants to and has a a setup to do so and a client base can resell the food. So we have over 400 trusted resellers now in Canada and the States. And that's only been from really focusing on growing that for about a year and a half, two years. Mm. So we're pretty happy with that. The third way to buy it, though, if there's not a trusted reseller in your area, is through one of our online partners. In the States, we have Dog Food Direct and Chewy are the two biggest ones. That's going to be the most expensive place that you find the food. Um, You know, Chewy doesn't charge shipping and Dog Food Direct does. So you'll see a price difference there, but it kind of shakes out to the same thing. 
And then in Canada, through our, our website, anookshookpro.com, we can ship a bag out to almost any address in Canada. Okay. So that's, you know, always going to be the most expensive is buy the bag online because dog food is expensive and, and heavy and sure. costs money to ship. And then it's going to be trusted reseller, better price, better service. You're part of a community. There's a lot of good things and, and reasons yeah. to look for a trusted reseller in your area. And then if you need a lot of food, though, more than a trusted reseller can provide to you, a pallet or more, wholesale direct from us. And that's really okay. the three ways. So prices vary per region. We have all our price lists available to, again, anyone who wants them. We don't put them all up there on the website again because someone might not read it quickly enough and assume the price has changed and there's sure. complications. So we just want to make sure that they get the correct pricing from us. And uh, Chewy, Dog Food Direct, Trusted Reseller, or NookshipPro.com, and that's how you can okay. get it. So it's going to get just, easier and easier and easier to get no matter where you are, the, the more we grow. Yeah, that's all there is to it. That's fantastic. Um, clarifying question on the, the pallet orders from you directly. So if someone wants to, to order a pallet of dog food, Anyone can do that, right? You don't have to be a trusted reseller. Like anyone no, can no, say, yeah, hey, I you want just need dog food. food and- yeah, you don't have to resell okay. it. That's just there if you have an existing business that you know your client base, this would be a good complement to that business, right? Another service. Okay. A lot of breeders, you know, they send their dogs home with the food because it's what they're feeding at home. And, and sure. a lot of people want to continue and, and they trust the breeder, right? Um, but no, if you just need a lot of dog food, we'll just send you. And what's a big thing that people are doing, and this is at Pheasant Fest, this is what peeled their eyes back. There's a lot of people out there who have maybe four or five dogs and they don't need a pallet. Yep. But if you know two or three other people yeah, that they're also going have with, four or five dogs, yeah. just yeah. get it together. We'll drop ship it to any address, pull your money together, and we can we can get, make that happen. Yeah, The food lasts 24 months in the bag for our three original formulas from production date or 18 months for our marine formulas. So there's... Sure. No, no worry about spoilage. There's a great shelf life. It's And we, we have a one-way air valve in the bag that makes it more airtight and more airtight as air goes on because it's expelling more and more air. So a fresh yeah. bag of a nookshook might feel a little squishy or be a little floaty. That's sure. just because she's fresh. If it's a little dimply, <laughs> it just means it took a couple weeks to get to you and it's had time to expel all that air okay, out of okay. there. But it okay. keeps really well. So, you yeah. know, th- that there's, there's a lot of growth going on there where people are like, oh, well, I, don't, I, I can do 20 bags, but yeah. maybe not 65. I, I've been seeing so. more of that. Yeah. Lately. Yeah. Yeah. A that's lot of people kind of going in on a, a pallet together and uh, I think it's smart. And, and hunting groups, you know, there's, there's groups everywhere, right? And you yeah. can even Training sell that groups. food back yeah. and, and put it back into the group as a, you can do fundraisers with it and things sure. like that. So there's a lot of unique ways to take advantage of the wholesale program and the reseller program. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, guys, kind of a kind of a closing question, um, and I would love to hear either of you, both of you, even um, what you know. What makes a nook shook different? Like, like when it boils down to it, like why should someone? Let's say they've been kind of teasing. Hey, I've kind of wanted to try it. Maybe I don't know if I, I want to. Like, just what's your pitch to say? Hey, what makes a nook shook different than something else out there or better? In your opinions, I have a few answers, then, but I can save them if you want to go first. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to hear from each of you actually. So yeah, Emily, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I think um, okay. I'll, 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 you go. Yeah, I was going to give you sure. time to cook, but it doesn't look like you need it. Yeah, no, you go. <laughs> Brian's ready to go. He's he's like he's like fired up right now in, in his little. This closet. is the question they hired me to answer. <laughs> uh, two things. Well, three. There's more than two things, but I'll start with two things and let Brian take over. Um, <laughs> one of the things that does make us very different is that most working dog dog food that's out there is primarily it was a brand design primarily for pet dogs and they have an a working dog add-on right hmm. the thing about a nookshuk is that it was specifically designed for dogs with jobs from hmm. the get-go all science-based 
no bullshit. That, that, that's the, the reality. Sure. And I guess I've got two, I got one more extra thing, Brian. Um, Keep going. So they, they go, they go, they go hand in hand. Um, the other thing is that we are, since we do own our manufacturing facility and we're family owned, we have complete control over quality, um, and formulation integrity and all of these things that, that are a little bit more variable as you get to be bigger, you know, like we, we put our, we put our name right on the back of that bag because we take pride in what we do. And while other guys have shareholders and folks they need to report back to, uh, we don't, so we don't have to worry about, you know, you talk about us not changing our prices very much in the last little while. Uh, we've taken a bit of a, a bite on that and that mm. that's, that's because we care about you guys, but we don't have anybody else to report to. We are all about mm. maintaining our formula and maintaining our formula is something that if you're working with a working dog and it's got a job to perform, that needs to be the same every time you need to be able to sure. rely on us. We, we, we can't be a variable in your world. Yeah. You, you need it to perform. So, sure. um, you know, our prices have gone up a little bit in the last couple of years. Uh, but we, we've taken a chunk because we care about you guys and we, we, we do, we do want to keep things the exact same. You want we want you to rely on us. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And I, I, yeah, I can say from the, from myself and the, the hunting community, which has been just, again, as I've been so excited to see the amount of kennels and bird dog people who are, are switching to a nook shook and loving it. Um, so thank you guys for, I mean, keep it. It's been same. awesome. The, the hunting community is, is very welcoming, yeah. uh, very engaging, um, loves showing off their dogs and, and going like the, the thing I didn't understand trials at first, but now I get it hanging out with good people is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So w- whatever excuse you got to do that, you mix in dogs and some competition, whatever, you know, oh, like it's, it all just makes so much fire. sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's so much, yeah. And, and bird dog pe- people too. I mean, we're always lo- like, uh, obviously everyone, you care about your dogs, your pets, wh- whatever it might be. Like we're always looking for that, like next step that, that what's that next best thing. Um, Cause you care about your dog yeah. and want, want to feed them the best. Yeah. Um, and they're performing at a really, really high level. And performance so think, was going to be my answer. That's the thing. Yeah. No one makes food the way we do and mm. no one gets the performance sure. out of their food that we do sure the Iditarod just finished 50 percent of the dogs in the Iditarod were eating our food oh wow six out of ten of the top 10 finishers were are on a nookshook like this this food is different the food is the difference it's not sure. how we say or what we do and yeah we might do business differently and we might you know be a, a little bit like on the fringe of of operating the way you're used to like a big dog food brand goes but that's just because we're able to, and it's more fun this way. And it's, it allows you to, to do something different, but the food, no, no one's doing what we're doing and no sure. one's going to like, we kind of walk backwards into it, you know, which is really lucky because we all have jobs that we love, but like, no, no big company is going to retrofit the 10 factories that they make their food in that they don't own to vacuum infuse food. You know, it's sure. not viable. It doesn't make sense on paper. It doesn't make sense anywhere. So it's just, it's the production and the performance I think are the, are the, are the big things. Again, oh. the food's the big difference. Yeah, that's a lot speak for itself, <laughs> really. Which sounds like a cheat answer. Like, what's so different no, about no, your food to say the food? But like, yeah. <laughs> if you have to distill it. Yeah, you, you let you let it speak for itself. And when someone compliments your dog because how nice they look and how they're built and, you know, their muscle and their coat, it's like, well, thank you. And <laughs> they're on a nook truck. Yeah. yeah. And it's we like, get that not every food is going to be right for every dog. And we're sure. not going to ever try to force yeah. the issue. We we do want to allow people to try things. We have sample bags in Canada. Chewy will give you your money back. No questions asked in the States. Trusted resellers have samples. We want the food to prove it to you. We don't want to, to necessarily prove it to you. We want to educate 
you on to maybe why you should try, but sure. we want the food to, to be the thing that sells you on it. And luckily, if you have a performance dog, you know, it's hard to tell on a pet, oh, my pet liked the last food and it likes this food. It likes lying on the couch. It's, I don't know if it's any different, you know, but <laughs> well, when your you dog doesn't, your dog doesn't animal, talk to you and tell you what? Well, he talks to me, but he's not <laughs> telling me that anyways. Maybe it's more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, when you have a performance animal and you know that there's things that you can measure that are a difference yeah. and, and you notice that, that's, yeah, that's where it Absolutely. all is. That's where the magic Absolutely. happens. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, all right. Cl- for my for my closing questions, my rapid fire round, I'm just going to ask you each one question. It's the same one. So you guys can pick your own answers um, for you and your own dogs. Uh, pick your favorite formula that you're feeding your dogs. Emily. You want me to go first? Um, <laughs> we actually don't feed our dogs enough. Chip. <laughs> just no. joking. Just joking. No. <laughs> and podcast over. <laughs> uh, my colleagues tend to be our test dogs. Um, so the first so they, they've tried it all. Just, <laughs> they've tried it all. What are we on today? Holly uh, pigs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, so uh, they were on the 3025 for a long time, then the Marine 25 when it launched, and now they're on the Marine 16. So okay. uh, they, it just, it just depends. It's wintertime. We've been a little bit uh, lazy for the last couple months, so we got a little <laughs> bit fatter, and so we're, we're a little lighter right now. There you go. There you and go. Fluffy. We like to say yeah. we're fluffy. Fluffy. Fluffy, fluffy dog. That's, we are fluffy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Going into a trial yeah. tomorrow, and I'm like, yeah, Gage and, Gage and I both are a little out of shape, so <laughs> we'll see how this goes. <laughs> just fluffy. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, pick, pick one food. Which well, one? I give Ace Marine 25 and 3025. I mix it up. Okay. I just, okay. yeah, he's, he's, he's not like super enthusiastic over food. So mixing it up helps. I find keep him okay. interested in it. Sometimes nice. he won't eat his breakfast till like five or six kind of thing. Okay. So I just go back and forth and like his coat, honestly, like when we first made Marine 25 and I was trying him on it consistently for about three months, he always had a nice soft coat, but it felt like he was bathing in lotion. Like it mm. was like, he was made of hair conditioner. He was so soft all of a sudden. <laughs> so I, I do like incorporating that but yeah. he's a 3025 blend and whatever yeah he likes them both i don't even actually uh, think if you notice this is a different at this point <laughs> right he's like I, what's what's for uh yeah so today? maybe i think that i'm doing this nice thing of giving him for right right he's like thanks cereal again great yeah, exactly i mean <laughs> he's like this is the best cereal dad really appreciate right. it <laughs> oh we all have our dog voices too so my, my dog yeah. my dog voices are a little bit more high pitch but aces is actually like mm, yeah, a little slower a little lower yeah it's he's, like their personality yeah. a little bit too <laughs> Mm-hmm. Kind of What's going on and... here, guys? Exactly. You want to it's like a surfer dude dog, or was it... a little bit? Yeah, <laughs> little got, it, got it. Is I know. That's like a little like you know, dopey surfer. Yeah, he's a little Scooby Doo. You know, like yeah, he's a little yeah. He's oh, got that gosh. in him. He's not as wound up as Scooby. This podcast has officially taken a turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, we well, appreciate uh, the time, man, and, and we, yes. we really do appreciate everything that you've you've done for us and the people you've connected us with. And we wish you nothing but more growing success with the show. I think. I'm obviously your listeners are digging it. It's growing. So congrats on, on everything. Will and to do it with everything else you got going on, uh, hats off. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. It's, it's fun. It's crazy, but it's, uh, it's been really fun. So thank you both for, uh, for coming on here, Emily. Great to meet you. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with us, Brian. Thank you again as well. And, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you guys again very soon. So I appreciate it. Over and out. Thanks. Thank well, thanks. <laughs> 
And that's a wrap of episode 81 with Emily Corey and Brian Connolly from a Nook Shook Professional Dog Food. Um, hey guys, thank you so much just for uh, taking the time to kind of debunk some of these uh, maybe myths or just some honest listener questions I think that are really good. Um, honest questions. There's questions that I've had over the over the last couple of years with a Nook Shook that I've either reached out to you guys or, or talked with people to kind of understand better. So really appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, unpack that for everyone. Um, Hey, everyone, don't forget, uh, rate and review the podcast. Just real quick, head on over Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave a rating, a little star system, and then a written review would hugely help the podcast. Uh, Just helps the algorithms um, of Apple Podcasts. The more positive ratings and reviews a show has, it's going to show up higher in a feed when someone out there sits at their computer and goes, oh, I'm looking for a podcast, Upland Hunting Podcast. And Upland Rookie might pop up a little higher and uh, maybe help someone out there. Maybe someone's just kind of curious about Upland hunting, dogs, training, whatever it might be. And the show can help someone in some way or another. Um, I think that's what this is all about. This is why I started it. Um, just kind of share my experience, learn from others, learn from people who have been further uh, down the path, who have been around bird dogs and around hunting for a lot longer than I have sometimes and be able to learn from them. So that's kind of the whole point. So if you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review, and uh, don't forget to head over uh, to YouTube. Podcast episodes are up there. I got some other video content and more stuff will be coming in the future. Until next time, go put some miles on those boots and follow your favorite bird dog. Take care.